0: Love Talk Radio. Well, welcome to Zohar 15. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace, and thanks for joining me either live or archive. So good to have you with us. I've got a lesson today about creating spiritual balance, and I'm going to tell you now there's no way we're going to get through the whole thing. So I might do a part two of it, depending how far we get. I want to read to you from the Zohar Volume, uh, volume 5, Portion Vyetsi. Chapter 26, in the portion, this is a rabbinical commentary, so not particularly a verse. It's called Every Order Is by Three. Think about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. um, And for Christians, think about the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, the, the disciples, Peter, James, and John. So think about how consistent that number three is throughout the scriptures. But it started way back in the beginning of Torah. But this is what it says. These three columns, sharing, receiving, and resistance, are present throughout every scale of reality. In our own lives, we must use our free will as the force of resistance to control impulsive and self-serving desires. As a light bulb uh, glows brightly, when the filament performs resistance, our lives shine brilliantly when we apply a restraining force. Life, then, is all about true circuitry. We really want to talk this morning about creating spiritual balance. For many people, and I mean good people, for many good people, the concept of spiritual growth outweighs the concept of spiritual balance. And in most of our Christian practice, the path to spiritual growth is very fragmented. Whenever we talk about something growing, uh, if you're a parent and you have children, I'm sure at some point you, you took your little tyke or tykes and you put them against the wall and you put a little mark on the wall and you wrote October 13th, 1999. And then a year later, you wrote October 13th, 2000 and that mark has gone up the wall. In order for us to really talk about spiritual growth, there needs to be some kind of measurement. I mean, how do we know that a program works or that a process is succeeding or that an advertising sale or a coupon works? Somebody has to measure it. Otherwise, you're just guessing. And that's why in the scriptures, we learn less about spiritual growth and we learn more about spiritual balance because you could tell when something's in balance. Um, have you ever, it's the strangest thing, but have you ever just gotten a, a rock in your shoe and you just kind of limp it on that foot a little bit and you find a place to sit down and you open up your shoe? I mean, how big can this rock be if it got into your shoe and you pull out this rock? just that's, that's like a tip of a pencil and it stopped the whole show. It had you walking different. It had you looking different. It had you feeling different until you finally dealt with it. Balance is something you can obviously tell if somebody has or doesn't have. Now, from church to church to church, to church, to church. There's a different process of what they think spiritual growth might be about, and they produce very very different results. I mean, think of the simple and verified differences we have when we consider Jesus. For some people, Jesus is a, a servant Jesus. For some, he's like the Roman Empire Jesus. For some, he's Jesus. There's all kinds of views about Jesus. Yet there's really only one Jesus in the scriptures. We need a path That does promote growth. Believe me, I understand the importance of that. But I also need a path that achieves balance and a path that everyone can follow. Because what's happening is our fragmented paths, while all those may be a path of growth or a path of balance, because they're fragmented, they create disharmony. Achieving this spiritual growth and balance, it should be something that we hone in on for the individual, not for the corporate should be our goal. When we meet on Sunday mornings, when we spend time together in fellowship, it shouldn't be about what are we bringing to the church? What are we bringing to this corporate gathering? It should be what are we doing? What are we breathing into the life of these individuals so they can participate in the corporate gathering? I've always said that church reminds me of football. When you go to a football game, when you go to a football game, you got 22 people playing on the field that desperately need rest and you got 50,000 people in the stands that desperately need exercise. The only way to be able to engage people in our spiritual corporate worship is to teach them how to have growth and balance in their individual lives. Balance, by the way, means keeping in the center. And if we have a center, we have a right, we have a left. And balance means that we've got each part equally functioning and equally active. Jesus in the New Testament documents spoke about the right hand not letting the left hand know what was doing when he was talking about giving. What is he talking about? Kabbalah and uh, Kabbalah has one branch, and other branches of Judaism teach this concept. There's a center column. You know, picture your body. You know, your head to your waist. Uh, you know, down onto your feet. There's a center column, and the center column is the vertical connection between you and God. There's a right side which works from right, works from the right-hand side, which is referred to as your giving side, and there's a left side which is referred to as your receiving. So we have our vertical connection me and God, and then I have my right and left sides, the things that I'm doing in the world in on the on the horizontal plane. It's interesting Jesus in terms of giving said, don't let your giving side know what your receiving side is doing. That's a very interesting statement. Don't give because it's comfortable. Don't give because you got a hundred dollars and you can afford to give five. You've got to give to meet the need. When what we give and receive to the world, to the people around us, to our unique relationships, is a direct result and evidence of what our center is connected to. Now, a lot of people will tell me. They'll say, oh, yes, I'm connected to God. Well, no problem. Then that should be evidence in what we do in the world, what we do to the people around us, what we do in our unique relationships. That's the direct result of it. It's one thing to say what you worship or say what you study. It's a whole other concept when we start to talk about, well, if we interviewed people, what would they tell us? Sharing. To create spiritual balance, the, the, the rabbi said we needed three things. We needed sharing. I think we'll cover that one. Resi- we need uh, receiving. We need resistance, and so we 've got about eight minutes left. so here we go sharing you know when you 're excited about something you 're going to share about it it 's internal for you to share about it. when we have good news, we share it when we have bad news, we share it now sometimes with bad news, we may not. Uh, We may confide with just one or two people, but if it's good news, we might announce things from the top of the mountains. When people people find out they're pregnant, this isn't something that you don't tell anybody. This is a moment you share, well, in most cases, it's a moment you share with your family. People go on Facebook and, you know, I've just found out I'm pregnant, six months left, five months left, and I'm on the way to the hospital, and, you know, they share that wonderful, my water broke. We don't need to know that. We don't need to know that. And we announce these things. Sometimes, though, we share tough things tough things and bad news, maybe we would do that more on a confidential level. Again, some other people do prefer to share that on Facebook. It's in our nature to share. And sharing, this nature of sharing, is our most divine component. It's the moment that we're most like our creator, most in line with God. When you think about it, God creates this universe, he's got everything going his way, everyone's singing his worship, there are no problems, and yet he says, I want to put myself into a vessel. It's that part of sharing. It's God's desire to share that brought on creation, the existence, and his continued involvement in this world. We're going to take a quick time out for a commercial message. We'll be right back. Looking for something different at your next retreat, Bible study, or weekend seminar? Restoring Grace could be the answer for you. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace, and we gladly support, encourage, and minister in many churches across the country. You can reach me at Dave at RestoringGrace.com. Again, that's Dave at RestoringGrace.com. Or you can call 719-233-6265. 719-233-6265 for your next upcoming event. Now, true sharing is not done out of resource. It's done out of a desire to fill a need. Maybe sometime we'll talk about this 10% tithing and some other things that the New Testament talks about. It. But when we share, we measure our own heart because every gift we give, ever give, whatever that gift may be, reveals the heart of the giver. It reveals that heart of the giver. Sharing creates in us a spiritual vacuum. So when I hand something out, you know, a lot of times you'll see somebody standing on the side of the road, he's got a sign that says anything will help um you're a veteran need help, blah blah blah. And somebody goes to hand that person five dollars and somebody else says, what's he gonna do with that five dollars? Is he gonna buy himself some crack cocaine? Well obviously you haven't been on the market for crack cocaine lately, because I'm not sure if five bucks will get it done, but it's not really your concern. The concern is that by putting out from yourself, by by giving from yourself, you create a spiritual vacuum in which God operates in. It it's you know it's kind of the idea of of like you know you watch these people that go on these specials and they they win uh, and they get the shopping cart and they have thirty five seconds or a minute to run through the shop the store and anything they put in their shopping cart they can keep, it's that same kind of idea. Once that shopping cart is full, it's game over. You can't fill anything else up in it. You're done. That's all you've got, and that's all they're going to walk out of that store with. Can you imagine if you could constantly live in an environment spiritually whereby you're sharing, that cart's always empty, and that cart can always be filled back up again? You see, the more we empty ourselves by sharing, it also puts our ego in check, and greater windows of connections and blessings between us and God can be there because it's not easy always to share. Now, I do not endorse I want to say this clearly. I do not endorse or believe that we should share because God will bless us more and more. That cannot be the motive. Spirituality is not about gathering and collecting. True sharing. True sharing is the evidence of a heart change, and the best way to present our gospel message is by sharing. Sometimes, by the way, sharing is allowing. It means that there may be people out there that think differently or live differently or pursue different lifestyles than ours, and instead of condemning them and judging them, sometimes allowing that to happen and letting them know that regardless of how they live, breathe, eat, whatever they may look at, that God loves them and God's still on their side. So number one was sharing. Number two is receiving. We're in high gear here, guys. Spiritual balance is also achieved by listening, learning, and participating with others. Every person in your life is a messenger from God if you take the time to receive it. Every person in your life is a messenger of God. You know, yesterday I was having a little uh, heart-to-heart family meeting time with my three boys here, and we were talking about some things that needed to change, and and, uh, they don't like it when I get on them very much. And We were having some conversation, and at the end of it, the four-year-old Andrew says, "Um, don't worry, Dad. We won't let you down. And I was like, the four-year-old said that. Now, I don't know if he is that brilliant of a kid that he knew exactly what to say to get me off the subject, or if God was speaking through him, or is he an angel? I don't know the answers to that. What I know is that every messenger, from a four-year-old child all the way up to whoever you may talk to, even your enemies can be messengers for God if you take time to listen, if you take time to receive it. What happens when you're sitting in a meeting at work and somebody says, We can't keep going like this, or you've got to sort this out, or you've got a problem. What's your instant reaction? To receive that criticism and judgment, or to reject it and say, hey, listen, idiot, if you come on down and try and do what I do, believe me, I get it. Christians often talk about, let me say this real quick. Receiving is realizing that there are endless opportunities to get more. There's endless opportunities to get more. Christians often talk about coming to church drained or needing their batteries being recharged. How'd this happen? Well, I can tell you how it happens. They only eat once a week. Receiving is truly a deep spiritual practice. When we view everyone and every moment as a chance to connect with a creator, we put ourselves and our ego in check. That means that whether the person we think is below us or equal or above us, you know, often we listen to people, we'll listen to people who are in awe with us, but what about somebody you have no reason to listen to at all? The wrong question is, wh- who can I learn from? And the correct question is, who can I not learn from? Resistance. So, number one was sharing. Number two, Receiving, number three is resistance. Every time we flee our impulsive and self-serving desires, we create spiritual balance. Sometimes being balanced and growing spiritually is measured by what we don't do. When things become easy, there's very little sense of appreciation. And I want to tell you this, appreciation and gratitude is the greatest weapons that we have against our ego. God loves us so much that he daily allows challenges and difficulties in our lives to give us endless opportunities to resist our poor choices, there's no moving forward until we accept and embrace that resistance is part of our path. Jesus, Moses, Abraham all faced resistance. They all faced pushing back from the other side. They didn't, they resisted. Now, balance in our spiritual lives, it works a lot like electricity. When harnessed correctly, electricity gives light, warmth, and tools for survival. When used improperly, you can get shocked. You can get blown up. You can die. You see, electricity is not the problem. The operator is the problem. There is a divine pulse and circuitry in being connected to the light of the creator. So first of all, we need to remember that we need to share. Because sharing helps defeat our ego and benefits the person that we give to Secondly, we need to receive because we've got to put back in place that we've given out. It also puts our ego in check to understand that we can learn from everyone. And number three is quit crying about your problems. The challenges and trials that we face are given to us by God, the Creator, so that we can learn what we can relearn what we missed the first time we faced it. It's there to help us grow. And at the end of the day, who would want to win a trophy that you never participated in any game to win? Who'd want that? It's called the bread of shame: earning getting something that we didn't earn. My name is David Fournier, one of the instructors here at Restoring Grace. Thank you for joining me for this co- a copy of Zohar and 15.